Dr. Reimer, thank you so much for, for making some time for us today and, and talking to us from the West Coast. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, what you've observed at TCT so far this year, and, and are there any, any learnings or takeaways that, that you're already benefiting from and plan to bring back with you? I think one of the really unique points and aspects of TCT compared to a lot of the other um, conferences, particularly for fellows, are the uh, live cases. I think this is a huge draw for many of the attendings, attendees. So uh, yesterday they had um, four live cases and, and basically it can be ranging anything anywhere from like a complex PCI case to uh, a structural case and just allowing you to actually um, see in the cath lab what practices are and, and other institutions as compared to what your own experience is, um, and then walking through potential complications, how people handle um, different complications in their cath lab versus what you, you know would happen at Duke. And so I think that this was a huge draw to me. Um, certainly um, discussion over the, the co-op trial and in, in, in MitraClip has been sort of a huge um, topic of discussion at TCT this year, but I think in general for particularly first-time attendees and then fellow attending attendees, the hands-on training, so there's um, lots of workshops to um, with various pharmaceutical companies to, to work with the structural devices and sort of uh, learn about them in a more hands-on way, and then the live cases are a huge draw to this, this particular conference compared with the others. Okay. And, and I understand you're presenting uh, at this meeting as well this year. I believe you had a presentation yesterday around um, yes. TAVR. Can you tell us a little bit about, about what you presented? Yes. So uh, I presented about um, the predictors and outcomes associated with aborted TAVR. So interestingly, that we have lots of data uh, in the TAVI realm at this point. Uh, we don't have much data on um, uh, what, what are sort of the reasons why pa patients have um, aborted procedures and what their outcomes look like, even at a 30-day time period. Really, our only published data is from the German aortic valve registry. So, as you can imagine, um, being that the SCS NCDR TVT registry just has a wealth of information on uh, over 100,000 TAVR patients now in our experience, this is a great question to ask of that of that registry. And so we looked at a couple of different um, aspects of aborted TAVR procedures. So we looked at patients, um, the, sort of the overall experience of aborted procedures, and then we further subdivided patients by what type or what reason they had for having their procedure aborted. So as we know, some procedures are aborted due to the limitations of the devices. So there's um, complications with the vascular access or maybe complications with the delivery system. Other patients have aborted procedures because of inherent issues with the patient themselves. So they may have a clinical condition or there may be systems issues that are at play. And so in general, uh, we found that as, as could be expected, patients with aborted procedures compared with those with successful procedures had higher rates of death and stroke at 30 days and then higher rates of bleeding and vascular complications. Um, interestingly, we found that um, patients with aborted procedures um, due to um, device limitations had lower um, death or stroke at 30 days compared to patients with aborted procedures due to other causes. Um, the opposite trend was present for bleeding and vascular complications, so those patients with aborted procedures due to device 
limitations had higher 30-day rates of, of vascular and bleeding complications. So I think um, a lot of this confirms what we already um, know sort of anecdotally, but has never been published from our, our U.S. or American data. Um, overall, that patients with abortive procedures have poor outcomes or worsened outcomes compared to those with successful procedures. Um, we should be thinking about um, patient characteristics going into the actual uh, procedure, be it if the patient has significant, significant peripheral arterial disease, if they have lots of comorbidities, um, diabetes, really severe chronic, chronic lung disease, history of smoking, and sort of looking at the overall picture to determine what their risk is going in. And then I think that that can inform, A, what type of um, vascular access sites um, are used, and if there's um, other um, potential alterations in the uh, procedure itself that can um, potentially make it more successful based on the individual patient profile. Um, so I think that this is really just a starting point to to look at predictors of and what um, what the outcomes are amongst these patients. You've also got, if if I'm correct, uh, you've got a poster that you're um, involved with tomorrow mm -hmm. as well about PCI. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us a little yeah. bit about about that work. Yes, yeah, so this will be a moderated poster tomorrow. So this is based on work with um, Neil Rao at the Durham VA, as well as a host of other um, co-authors at VA medical centers around the country. And so we want to look at um, same-day discharge uh, rates versus overnight stay for, for PCI patients. Um, as you can imagine, um, the, the increasing trend at a lot of different centers around the country is that if you're coming in for an elective um, PCI procedure, uh, really if you have, um, if you don't have a lot of high risk um, sort of comorbidities, you would be a great candidate to, to go home same day. And this is, um, and the literature has just been borne out to be um, something that patients really like. Patient satisfaction has increased. Um, obviously, we know that. Um, the more time that we hold patients in the hospital, the more we are exposing them to, to various um, potential iatrogenic uh, effects. And so we wanted to look at, A, rates of same-day discharge in the VA Medical Center um, uh, nationally, um, and also the characteristics of those patients, their 30-day readmission and mortality rates. Um, and then we additionally wanted to look at cost. And so I'll break this out a little bit. So We've seen a, a significant increase from 2008 to 2016 in same-day discharge. However, rates are, are still relatively low. So about in, in 2008, it was around hovering around um, 2% nationally, um, now up to just below um, 10% in 2016 nationally for um, annual percentage of same-day discharge. Um, we uh, sort of expected... Um, Same-day discharge patients um, less frequently had a history of um, AFib, peripheral arterial disease, um, and they oftentimes received treatment at higher volume centers, uh, which one might expect as well. Um, we did see no significant difference, which is very important, between the rates of um, readmission at 30 days as well as 30-day um, mortality between the two groups, and so that really 
that helps us to feel more comfortable that if you're choosing the right patients or the patients that don't have lots of comorbidities, um, uh, elderly patients with you know severe um, chronic kidney disease, um, other comorbidities that might make them at a risk for needing to come back to the hospital quickly. This makes us feel more comfortable about going ahead and sending those patients home on the same day versus um, keeping them an additional night. And then from a cost perspective, we also showed that there was a, an association of lower 30-day accumulated average cost in patients with same-day discharge, um, and that was compared with patients with an observed overnight. And so for each admission, this is around um, $800 to $1,000. So not as much as we thought we would see, but certainly I think when you take this um, sort of in accumulation with the outcomes, with the potential cost savings, um, with patient satisfaction, um, this lends us to feel, I think, more comfortable as, as operators and interventionists in letting the appropriate patient go home and not keeping them um, overnight. Yeah, that sounds like great news for patients. Do you, given the, the outcomes and the, the relative cost um, benefits as well, do you expect to see, you know, if you had to hypothesize, do you expect to see those numbers continue to rise the way they have from, from 2008 up until 2016? I think so. I, I think a lot is, is taking place right now in the, the realm of trying to create um, uh, increasingly sophisticated algorithms um, for, for interventionalists and operators to say, okay, this is the appropriate patient population. It's, it's really the most important thing that we can do right now is, is to come up with these definitions of what the appropriate patient is for discharge. And um, that is as ongoing work. I think it's the VA has, has traditionally in the realm of uh, PCI sort of taken the lead in, in, in radial access and same-day discharge. I think we'll continue to see sort of a rapid increase in, in this practice among VA hospitals. Um, over the next decade, and, and hopefully, you know, by the, the time we're five to ten years from now, this will be sort of an um, expectation of lower to intermediate risk patients. Um, then that's something that we're actually, you know, actively studying and trying to figure out how to increase. 